Good morning, everyone. I greet you in Jesus' name and invite you to open your Bibles to Revelation, the last book of the New Testament. We know this, uh, this was written by the Apostle John, and we know that he was on the little isle of Patmos, a rocky, desolate island about 28 miles in circumference and off, off the coast of Greece. And it was used by the Romans as a place to uh, banish criminals. And um, many were sent there. And that's where John went and where he had visions which he wrote. And that's what makes up this book of Revelation. And it begins, if you're at the first chapter, it begins this way, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass, and he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant, John. Now this tells us that this message is from Jesus. Sent from the Son. Uh, the, uh, Jesus got the message from God. God gave the message to Jesus. Jesus gave the message to an angel. The angel took the message to John, and John sent it to his, to Christ's servants, to show unto his servants, to the churches. In the, uh, in the last chapter, in verse 16, it says, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. This message is called a revelation, the revelation from Jesus Christ. And it's literally, the original word means literally to remove a cover over from, back from something that is hidden, as in drawing back a curtain to reveal and the message is prophetic. Verse 3 says, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of the prophecy, of the prophecy. This is a prophecy. And the prophecies given in Scripture, whether Old Testament or New Testament, are not given just to satisfy our curiosity about things we didn't know before, things about the future, but they were written, they were given to the people and the times that in which they were written, number one. And then number two, they were written to call the readers and the hearers, as he mentions in this first verse, or in the first verses, 
that uh, calling them to repentance, to faith, and to obedience. And then there is also the thing of the future and telling things which shall come to pass. This, uh, this book is a letter to the churches. We don't see the epistle to anyone in the title like we see in others, the general epistle of Jude or uh, the epistles to Corinthians and Ephesians, which we've been looking at in our Sunday school or other places that letters were written. But it is a letter to the churches. And he says in verse 4, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come. Uh, John didn't just include in his book seven letters to seven local churches as he addressed in chapters two and three, but the whole book including the seven letters to the seven local churches, was addressed uh, to the seven churches and beyond that to, to all of us, just like, like the letters, the other epistles in the Scripture. The Word of God meant for all believers. And the message, and the message we are told, is faithful and true. It's like other inspired scripture, like all the inspired scripture. In chapter 21, verse 5, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. Jesus is called in this, in this book the faithful witness, faithful witness in, in the uh, book's salutation in the first number of verses in verse 5. It says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness. And in the third uh, in the third chapter, in that, uh, in the letter to the Laodiceans, he says, in conclusion, these things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness. So this uh, this comes from Jesus uh, to to us. And in verse nineteen, it says, uh, "The heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called." Faithful and true. And this message, this message of Revelation is to be a blessing to the hearers and the, to the readers and the hearers. In, the, in verse 3, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Now, quite a number of commentaries and scholars uh, take this to be referring to a public reading of, uh, of this epistle, this letter, this book, 
of Revelations. So there was a reader, and then the rest were hearers. And notice that it says the reader, singular, he that readeth and they that hear, plural. So that could very well be the setting and no doubt the way many of the New Testament letters were first introduced to Christians. There is a blessing, it says, spiritually prosperous are they, spiritually enriched, happy are they who listen and keep these things that are written therein. And the keeping can be like keeping the commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments, obey my commandments. It can be guarding, holding on to. Like Paul says, I have kept the faith. And in Revelation 16, uh, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that is that Blessed is he that watchful, uh, waketh, wakeful and vigilant, as in the, the uh, from the Amplified, and keepeth his garments. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments. And then in, in some of the letters he uh, to the churches, the seven churches in chapters 2 and 3, he warns them, encourages them to hold on, to hold fast. There are other blessings that are specifically mentioned in Revelation. In Revelation 14, uh, John heard the voice from heaven saying, Write, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. That's one. Dying in the Lord is a blessing. In chapter 16, I referred to this verse 15 just a bit ago. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments. And in 19, verse 9, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. Those would be Christians, Christ's disciples. And in chapter 20, Verse 6, blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. And in 22, blessed is he that keepeth the sayings, and blessed are they that do his commandments. Blessings, this book has blessings for the sincere readers. And Revelation tells us things, it says, which, may, which must shortly come to pass. And it says these things in prophetic language. There is imagery. There are colored stones. There are lightnings. There are uh, beasts, living creatures that we've never seen before. There are descriptions that John of things that John had never seen before, but he often says like unto, as like unto, trying to say it in a way that we get an idea of what he was actually seeing. And Jesus Christ, 
is presented in this book in a way, in a role that is different from what we read of him in the Gospels when he came to earth incarnate as the Son of Man. And this describes the great battle of, uh, between God and the, and the kingdom of heaven and evil and Satan. And it describes the end and the final struggles and the destruction of evil and death and the restoration of all things and freedom for God's people, for God's children from even the effects of sin to be completely free from it. And it's a sobering book. And it's not simple to to understand. I haven't figured it out. Years ago, I thought, you know, I want to figure this out. I want to know. I want to understand. I want to be, have, be confident about how things are going to wrap up. And there's a lot of interesting things that are going to happen yet. And this book tells us, uh, gives us clues and so on. But I haven't figured it out. And I've, I've, I'm not expecting to be able to figure it out. And I'm not going to tell you, uh, give you the details of how this is all going to work out. But it is a very encouraging and worthwhile book for us to read. And I have found blessings there. And so I'm saying to you this morning, I just, I finished reading it uh, just this past week. I read through the, through the book and uh, then scanned through it again and then was studying for this message. And I'd say to you that if you're one who has avoided this book or, or started into it and stopped after chapter two, the letters to the churches, which is pretty clear, and then went back to Matthew or Genesis or somewhere else. If you're one who has avoided the book of Revelation or you haven't read it for a long time, I encourage you to read it again. And not for the purpose of of trying to figure it all out, but to catch the great themes and lessons of this book. And I'd like to look at just a couple of things this morning, several things that uh, this book makes very clear. And some of it applies to us right now. And, well, it does apply to us right now where we are. And the first thing is that this book really brings out is the great spiritual battle. And while it is mostly focusing on the wrapping up of things, we're in that battle right now. There's a great spiritual battle and has been since the Garden of Eden. And when that serpent came slithering to Eve and spoke to her. And it seems like it gets more violent and more uh, aggressive here as we, as, he, as we come to the end of time. Uh, a greater degree of uh, intensity. The opposition to God and the, the uh, opposition to God's people and behind it all, as always, is Satan and his servants. 
And part of this that we need to be aware of and be cautioned about that we see clearly here in this book is that there are great deceptions. And we read about deceptions in other places in the New Testament and warnings about deceptions. But we see here uh, clearly the, the, the results of, of deception. In uh, chapter 12, the great dragon was cast out of heaven, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. And then in chapter 13, it talks about a beast that came up out of the earth. And that it refers to a beast that came out of the sea before him. And this second beast that came out of the earth exerciseth all power of the first beast before him and caused the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast. And he doeth great wonders, that's great signs, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth, on the earth in the sight of men and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of these miracles which he had power to do. And so there's a, there's a great deception going on. And uh, it goes on to tell about the mark of the beast, which we've all heard about. And uh, that was required on the hand or the forehead before anybody could do commerce, buying or selling. And then in chapter 16, it talks about three unclean spirits that are uh, the spirits of devils. And they speak. Uh, they come from the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and the, out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles. And, and they're working miracles to, in order to deceive and sway people to believe what they're saying is right. They have an unholy power. And it reminds me of the, uh, the passage in, in 2 Thessalonians where it talks about the, uh, the mystery of iniquity referring to this very thing that we just looked at here in Revelation. And it says that in uh, chapter 2, in verse 7, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. In other words, that there is a restraint that is being lifted so that this evil person, evil persons, evil beings have more freedom and more influence and more power. And then in verse 8, then shall that wicked be revealed, wicked in ca with a capital letter, as, as a title of a person whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Now there is a, a lot of truth given uh, as far as um, 
there are a lot of calls given in the book of Revelation. In the letters to the churches in, the, in chapters 2 and 3, and then at different times uh, through, the, uh, through the book. Calls and warnings, um, calls to more holiness, calls to repent, calls to forsake sin, to return to the first love. And in chapter 11, it talks about two witnesses that are preaching uh, on earth and they had power. This is something that hasn't happened yet. They had power to call plagues onto the earth and they preached for three and a half years until they were killed by men of the earth and the world celebrated. And then to the shock and terror of the world, it describes them being resurrected and then taken up to heaven. And in chapter 14, it tells of an angel, and I don't know how this works, but this angel is flying in the midst of heaven in verse 6 having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment is come, and worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. Uh, an angel preaching. Maybe this is the last, the last call to the earth. I, I don't know. But the warnings seem uh, to go unheeded. And the rebellion in, that is described in the world in these end times is very, very great. And I noticed several times uh, in uh, Revelation 9, after the sixth trumpet, there is a which which unleashes an army of horsemen, and I believe they were they were uh, given power to destroy to kill a third of Earth's inhabitants. And then it says in verse twenty, after this terrible war, battle, whatever that killed so many people, it says in verse twenty. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. They kept right on with the, uh, with the sinful life that they were living. And in chapter 16, where there are the seven bowls of God's wrath being poured out, when the, uh, the fourth angel poured out his bowl and uh, the sun was, uh, the heat of the sun scorched men with with a, a terrible uh, heat, great heat. What did the men do? They blasphemed the name of God 
and they repented not to give him glory. And then the, uh, the next one. Did I say that was the seventh? It was the fourth of seven. And then the fifth one, a great darkness that brought pains and, and sores and the men blasphemed the God of heaven and repented not of their deeds. And then when the seventh came with great noise and thunderings and lightnings and earthquake and great, uh, great hail fell from heaven, men blasphemed God because of the plague of hail. Uh, it's, <clears throat> they knew God, well, they somehow seemed to understand that this was coming from God. But instead of repenting, instead of falling on their faces and crying out for mercy, they blaspheme. Blinded with rage, hatred, the, the very emotions and attitude of the great deceiver, Satan himself. You know, when I, when I read through this, uh, again, I, I was made to think how different. You know, in Acts, we, there was certainly opposition in Acts. But in Acts, we're impressed with the response to the gospel of Jesus after the preaching of Peter and Paul. And thousands repented and became part of the kingdom of God. But in Revelation, there are these calls to repentance and I, I don't know, I may have missed something, but I don't think we read of a convert. I'm sure there were. I'm sure there are people in the time that, that first got the letter of Revelation that responded, that repented in those seven churches that the letters were written to in uh, those first chapters. But speaking of the end time things that this is describing, we don't read about and people repented here, and people repented there. There were calls to and invitations to repent, and there was opportunity to repent. But instead, it seems like the, uh, the response, at least that's recorded, is people blaspheming God and, and uh, not repenting. It just uh, encouraged me and challenged me and emphasized to me how important it is for us always to say yes to God. To say yes to God. Uh, I was recently looking through a, a manuscript of stories of, of people that, that joined the Mennonite church. And uh, one thing that, that impressed me about these stories, Martha told me some of them, I haven't read all of them myself, was in, in the lives of these people that very, very young, many of them had a sensitivity to God and wanting to please God and wanting something deeper than what they had, you know, even as children. And I remember that with... Uh, with, uh, with Becky McGurin's book, 
as well as a, as a young person being sensitive to God and saying yes to God as she understood. And that's, that's a challenge for us uh, that we say yes to God always. And when the deceptions and the false teachings and the evil influences, which are great already and affect, are affecting many people, when they become greater and stronger and there's more pressure than ever, it is those who have lived a life of saying yes to God and no to the world and to sin that will be the best prepared and have the clear vision uh, between right and wrong and truth and error and have the strongest defense against these terrible deceptions. So that's one thing that is a that impressed me, the the conflict and the deception and the evil and the way the world will be swept away and and uh, how strongly they will resist returning to God or coming to God. There is another thing that this book makes very clear, and that is that God will prevail. And that's a wonderful message in this book. It's a wonderful encouragement to us as we, uh, you know, things haven't gotten bad yet, but we see things getting worse. And if I understand the scripture, they will continue to get worse. But God, God will prevail. Satan is strong. God is much, infinitely much stronger. And Revelation tells us of a great victory. The victory of God and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And bringing about the great uh, culmination of the work of the cross, which was redemptive and begun by the Redeemer's death and resurrection. And in Revelation, we see Jesus not as the suffering Savior nailed on the cross. We see the wounds. We see the scars. But we see him showing uh, himself to the world coming out openly every eye shall see him in great glory and victorious coming to rule with power and grace and we see God the creator the almighty sovereign God working his will so revelation tells us that God will prevail and that righteousness and truth will be vindicated and that God's ultimate will and purpose will be accomplished. All the armies, all the nations, all the kingdoms of the earth, all the powers of Satan and his demonic hosts can never stop or postpone or change the fact of God's final victory. 
And so Revelation tells us about the dragon and Satan trying to thwart God's plans. We read about the lady and the dragon and the child in chapter 12 and the Antichrist holding himself to be God and enslaving the world. And But we see that God prevails. He wins. Uh, he wins in a mighty way. You know, four times in Revelation, we see God and or Christ named the Alpha and the Omega. Revelation 21, and he said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst the fountain of the water of life freely. The Alpha and Omega is the beginning and the end of, of history, the earth's history, history. He started it as he planned, as he designed in his mind and brought it about in creation. And it will end as he planned. Alpha and Omega is the beginning and the end of salvation. It began with Christ's death and his provisions on the cross and his resurrection to deliver us from the guilt and the power of sin. And he's providing uh, now his intercession for us and his grace. And he will fulfill it to take his people out of the sinful world and away from the very presence of evil. God will prevail. And nothing can separate us, nothing can separate God's people from God's love. Uh, in Romans 8. And what shall, we, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? In verse 35. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And the Christian, God will prevail and the Christian is safe. And the Christian will find grace for victory. And then Revelation describes a great restoration. Everything will be made right. There will be judgment on all evildoers and a glorious heaven for those that are faithful. And there we will be, the faithful will be with, with Christ with God the Father for all eternity, with all fellow believers.
In closing, I just would like to read a few verses from the last chapter. Beginning at verse 12. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters, and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is athirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. A wonderful book. Solemn warnings. Wonderful encouragement. God will prevail. Though though, uh, Satan is strong, God is infinitely stronger. And though terrible things will happen, God's people are safe. And there there is a final and great restoration and great reward for the faithful.